Today, I am, um, I am doing so, I am um, fulfilling a promise today, okay? A promise that I made to someone eight months ago. Uh, about eight months ago, uh, 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 my good friend Vic Goulas and I, we were sitting there um, talking in his house, and Vic, was, Vic is someone that we've, that is loved in this church, that, that's, that fought through ALS and, and died this last month. Um, when about eight months ago we were talking and I was telling him, I said, Vic, your life is so stinking inspiring to me. <laughs> the way you live your life, the way you see Jesus, it's so inspiring to me. And I told him at that moment, I said, here's what I want to do. I'm going to make you a promise that whatever I speak on in your memorial service that we had last week, I'm also going to preach on the following Sunday, okay? And so, and I just said, because I want other people to be inspired with the, the, in the life that you let, live. I want other people to be inspired as well. And so, so what, we, what happened is at Vic's memorial last week, we, we talked, and, and, we, and one of the things that I talked about was this letter that Paul wrote to the, to, to the, to the people in Colossae. And, and, and the Colossians is, is a, is a four-chapter letter. And, and as it turns out, we're just finishing a series just last week called Unfollow, and we're starting a new series. And this series, what we want to do is we want to walk through this letter, this letter that, that I read to Vic on his very last day that he was, that he was on this earth and that we, that we read at the memorial. And I wanna, I wanna, we want to spend some time on this letter. It's, just, it's a powerful letter. So we're going to spend, it's four chapters and we're going to do four weeks. We're going to do a summer Bible study on Colossians. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to being, getting to unpack this a lot more. Now, now, the, we're going to talk. We're, we're going to look at the book, the letter Colossians, but the, the, the but the series title is called Gospel. Now, for some of you, are going, wait a minute, isn't the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Well, you guys, Gospel. It's the simple meaning of Gospel is it's the good news. And so, when we say the Gospel of John, it's the good news of Jesus and the narrative through John. When we say the gospel of Mark, it's the good news of Jesus, and it's the narrative of Jesus written down by Mark. And so, that, so gospel just means good news. Well, we can get good news about lots of stuff. You know, the Rockies could win 40 games in a row. That could be good news. It'd be really good news. So is that gospel? Well, we're talking about something that's far greater news than something like that. When we are talking about gospel, I want us all to wrap our heads around it. We are talking about the maker of the universe that loved you and me so much that he decided to come to this earth. And he came to this earth as, as through his son, Jesus, to feel the things that we feel, to know what it's like to be hot out, to be hot or cold. To know what it's like to be sad or to be happy or to be laughing or to be tearful. All the feelings that God's created feel, God sends his son to feel. And then God sends his son to actually tell us what are the things that I would want the people that I've created to know. Tell us how to live. Tell us who God is. And so Jesus comes into this world and tells us all of who God is. And you go, man, that is good news. 
But then on top of that, it goes further. And Jesus not only just tells us about good news and shows us what the love of God is, but then he looks at each one of us and says, and I know you're broken. And I know your brokenness has separated you from God and you could die separated from God, but I'm not going to let you. So Jesus substituted himself for where we were supposed to go. And he says, no, I'm going to die that death and I'm going to die separated from God. But then he rose from the grave and he conquered death and he said death wasn't going to win. And so in doing so, he breathed life into every one of our brokenness, all of our brokenness, all of us. He breathes life into us and that we have life not only right now, but we have life for eternity. You guys, that's the gospel. That's the good news but here's the deal. And this is, I mean, I've been in church for three decades, more than that now. And, and I, I have, I, I, and I've heard that and I know that, but then I go live my life. And so it's, it's, it's a gospel, it's a good news and I live my life. But what we don't realize is how encompassing that news is in all parts of our, of our life. You guys, the gospel, I wrote some of it down. The gospel is not only the means by which we get to heaven, but it's the driving force behind every single moment of your life. The gospel, the good news of Jesus is beauty, it's greatness, it's where our, think about this, it's where our passion for God originates. Our passion for God originates because of this work, because of Jesus and what he has done. The gospel is the, mes- is the message of a God that is a friend and a lover of the souls of our souls. It sets us in a right relationship with God. The gospel is truth. The gospel is universal. It's for the entire world without exception. I mean, there's nothing else that's like that. The gospel is productive. It bears fruit and it increases. And we got to see how encompassing the gospel is. It has the power to change the individual and the power to change the, 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 the culture and the society in which the individual lives. That's the power of the gospel. The gospel tells of grace. It's not what God demands, but what God offers. See, he's not, he's, it's, it's, he's not, it's, it's not his demand for humanity, but it's his gift for humanity. The gospel st- stands before our failures and carries the cross of our shame. The gospel is God's spirit alive in us. It gives me breath. It gives me purpose. The gospel is love because Jesus says, I am love. The gospel is grace. The gospel is forgiveness. The gospel is patience. The gospel is peace. The gospel is kindness. I mean, when we look at every part of our life, the good news of what Jesus has done and is doing is played out. You guys, That's the gospel. It's Jesus living in us and it's Jesus living through us. And my my good friend Vic would, would, would say over and over again, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the good news for every one of us. And we're in a time of life right now 
that there are people that are desperate to hear the good news. There are t- people that are desperate to try to find it. But here's what, we're, here's what we're coming up against, though. They're driving up to churches, and they don't know if that's what's being preached in there. You walk up, they drive up to churches and they're going, I don't, I don't know, what's that church stand for? What do I got to be? What side do I got to be on to be going to that church? And churches, churches have, we, the church right now has an identity crisis because, because is it just about this or about that or are you this or are you that? Do I have to be left or do I have to be right or do I have to have voted this way? Or All of it is now part of church. And so these people that need to hear the good news that are seeking that out aren't sure if they should walk in the doors or not. And what the church needs to do is come back to an identity that is about the gospel that is about Jesus. Now look, now look, some of you that have been around the last couple of weeks might go, yeah, but are you being a little contradictory? Because we talked about some pretty, we tackled some pretty hard subjects in the last couple of weeks. That Maurice came up here last week and we talked about women and the value of women. And the week before, Maurice came up and talked about race and racial reconciliation and racial injustice. And you're going, wait, now, See, isn't that kind of, aren't we supposed to be just about Jesus? But you guys, what I loved about what Maurice spoke on is how he couched it. He couched it right into it is about Jesus and us following him. When he spoke, he spoke, he said, when he, two, weeks, two weeks ago when he talked about race, he's going, man, Jesus said to his disciples, we have to go to Samaria. We have to. And he said, he said, because there is somebody there that is feeling and is, it has been oppressed. And we need to reach those that have felt and are, and, are, and are being oppressed. And so we're going to go, we have to go to Samaria. But then Jesus also is looking at saying, you have to go to Samaria because he's looking at each of his disciples. He's going, and you guys have a problem. The way you view women in the culture that they were in, we got a problem here. And we, got, we have to go to Samaria to address that problem. That you got to see the value of women. And, I, and, I, and you're going to see that. I'm gonna, you're going to see how I value women. And then he says, and he's looking at him, he's going, and you know what? You guys don't want to go to Samaria. You want to go around Samaria because you don't want to talk to a Samaritan person. But he's saying the gospel is going to be for everybody, and I gotta teach you that, and so we have to go to Samaria. We have to go to Samaria to reach somebody that has been oppressed, because that's what we're gonna do, and we're gonna go to, the, go to Samaria because you've got some learning to do. And so he pressed them to Samaria. So in the end, we will do as Christ is asking us to do. We're gonna walk as Christ asks us to walk. When Jesus says there's somebody that's naked, we gotta clothe them. When Jesus says there's somebody that's thirsty, we're going to give them something to drink because that's the gospel. The gospel is living out all that Jesus is putting in. That he continues to pour out his love on us and then it's us going, Jesus, I'm following you wherever. And that's what this book, this letter, this Colossians letter, that's what this letter ultimately describes It talks about the supremacy of Jesus and the sufficiency of Jesus. 
And that's what we want to look into. In fact, in the middle of, of chapter one of, of Colossians, I don't even have this one for the screen. I, I'm just going to read this for you guys. He says, Jesus, Paul is writing about Jesus. He says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. That's you and me. All things were created whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, it doesn't matter what political system's in place or what's happening. This is going to be about Jesus and all things have been created through him and for him. He himself before all things and in him all things hold together. He is talking about the supremacy of Jesus. He is talking about the sufficiency of Jesus. And do we recognize the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus in our life? That's, that's the, that is the, 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 the question, and that is what Paul is steering us towards. Here's what was happening. 60 AD, Paul's writing this letter to these people in Colossae. He has never been there. He had been to, to Ephesus, and most of the letters that he wrote were to the churches that he established. So he was in Ephesus, and he, had, and he established that church, was there for a couple of years. And, and then from that church, the, the influence of that church spread. And 100 miles away is this city called Colossae, and, and the influence of what he did in Ephesus spread there, and people started a church there. Can you imagine if we as a church lived out the gospel in such a way as to influence people hundreds of miles away? Can you imagine what that would look like? That's what it's supposed to look like. But that's what he did, and so this church in Colossae started and so, so it started to grow and people started to grow in their knowledge and their understanding of who Jesus was. But then there was a heresy in the church. There were people that were coming saying, Jesus isn't enough. And Jesus really doesn't have the power that you're talking about. And so that kind of heresy started to creep up in the church. And Paul writes to him to encourage him. And he's going, man, all all creation, all things in heaven and earth, man, all, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. He's going, man, Jesus is supreme. And Jesus is efficient, sufficient in our life. And that's what, that he, that's what he's pressing into us. And so that's what we're going to study. Now, I want to, today, I just want to look at the first 11 verses, okay? I want to do a little Bible study in this. I'll unpack a little bit of Greek for us. And let's just spend some time learning a little bit about, about uh, what was happening there and what Paul's trying to get to each one of us. Here's what he says in, in verses 1 through 11. And, I, you know, the, if you, get, if, you, if you get stuck going, oh, I don't care about the Greek, the reason why we even talk about the Greek is that was that original language that was written in. And as we look at it 2,000 years later, let's really try to dig into what exactly, what was Paul really trying to say? He says this, this is a letter from Paul and the apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and from Timothy, the brother to the dedicated people of God and the faithful brothers in Christ who are in Colossae. So right off the bat, he says he's an apostle. I don't want to assume that all of us know what an apostle is. We don't use that word very often, well, apostle. All an apostle is, is one who is sent out. And he's acknowledging, I believe that the Lord has sent me out to do this. Okay, so I'm an apostle. He says, by the will of God. And what he's saying by that, by the will of God. That's our prayer for this church. By the will of God. It's saying that, that, that it's, not, it's not Paul that earned it. It's not Paul that achieved it. It's not me or anybody else around here. It is by the will of God that we will do what we do in this church. And then he says, in Colossae and in Christ. 
And I love that because, and this is gonna be his theme throughout the rest of this, of this letter, he's saying it not only needs to happen in here, but it needs to happen out there. It's, it's in Christ in here, and it's in Christ out there. And he keeps with that theme as we continue to read through, through these first 11 verses. Grace be to you in peace from God our Father. We always thank, thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for you and our prayers. For we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and the love you have to all of God's dedicated people because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Of that hope you have already heard in the true word of the gospel which has come to you just as in all the world it is bearing fruit and increasing just as it did among you too from that day on which you heard and knew the grace of God as it truly is. As you learned it from Epaphras, my beloved fellow bondman, who is, faith, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf and who has made known to us your love in the Spirit. I'm gonna stop there for a second because there is a line that is absolutely essential that we look at, you guys. It says, I want to look at, it says, your faith in Jesus Christ and the love you have to all of God's dedicated people. It's a faith you have in Christ and the love you have for other people. What Paul is saying here and the theme that is running through this letter is the gospel is beautiful, but the gospel must be shared. The gospel is beautiful, but we cannot receive it and not share it. That, that those will always, always be linked we, we, it's, it's the, the link we, means we don't have the option. We don't have the option to receive God's love and not extend God's love. We don't have the option to receive his mercy and call that great news for us and not extend that mercy to somebody else. We don't have that option. We don't have the option to say, man, in my brokenness, God has forgiven me and I sing songs of praise to him because of it and yet we don't forgive. And we are really good at unlinking this. We're really good at it. We're really good at, I mean, I, and, I'm, and I'm right there with us. Where we, where we hear that news and we just go, this doesn't make sense in all of the messiness of who I am. Jesus, you love me. And then when you look at somebody else and the messiness of who they are, we judge them. We, we, we pull apart the link. When, we, when we're just going, how in the world for what I did, how in the world, Jesus, could you possibly forgive me? And then we look at somebody else and our justice meter had gone off and we're frustrated at what they have done and they've hurt us deeply and we're going, there's no way I'm forgiving that person. No way. And we pull those, that link apart. You guys, I'm gonna use a word that is, is a hard word to hear. The word is neglect. We neglect the gospel when we pull apart the link. We're neglecting this very truth that, is, that is, gives us life. I, 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 was, I, was, I was on a jury a long time ago for a malpractice suit. 
and it was, it was a guy, um, it was a left lateralizing calcaneal osteotomy that this doctor performed. How, how smart do I sound? And, and, he, and, and, he, and he nicked a nerve, and the person couldn't walk anymore. And the whole, the whole case was about the neglect of the doctor that, that did that. But what we learned in, in, in jury, in, uh, being on that jury, is neglect, in the, neglect is, is a, uh, the, 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 the term that he gave us was an intentional disregard. And we had to ask, was the doctor that nicked the guy's ankle an intentional disregard for that nerve? You guys, when we choose to not love somebody because you disagree with them, you don't like what they're, the, the life that they're choosing to live. You don't, you don't like what they said or did or what they did to you. When we choose to, to, to say, I'm not going to love them, it's an intentional disregard of the gospel, of the love that Jesus has given us. And we as Christians, if someone says, I have a faith in Jesus, we have to receive it and give it. And you guys, we mess it up on both ends. We unlink it on the other side too, where we'll go, I'll extend forgiveness to somebody else, but I'll never forgive myself. I'll extend grace to tons of people, but I'm not gonna extend grace to myself. I'll beat the crap out of myself, but I'll, I'll, it'll be fine for somebody else. We're still neglecting the gospel. We're still neglecting this, this unbelievable good news of who Jesus is for us when we press either way against it. And God, Jesus saying, man, I need you to link those two together and live that way. Paul continues to write, he says this, and that in fact is why from the day we heard about it, we do not cease to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with an ever-growing knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may conduct yourselves worthily of the Lord and in such a way as to be altogether pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the fuller knowledge of God. He brings up two huge words there, wisdom and understanding. That word wisdom, the Greek word for wisdom is Sophia, and, it, and, it's, and it's a knowledge of first principles. It's a knowledge of first principles. It's a knowledge of, of, of Jesus' love. It's a knowledge of his grace, and it's a knowledge of his mercy, and it's a knowledge of his kindness. And so he's praying that we will grow, and that will be a, a lifelong process of growth and understanding of that knowledge, that, of, of, that, of that grace, and of that love, and of that forgiveness. And so he's saying that's the wisdom that we would have. And so when you see someone that has been around a while and has seen it on lots of different aspects and they go, man, I am understanding, I am getting Jesus' love for me. That's a growth in wisdom. But they link that, he links it with understanding. And the Greek word for understanding is sunesis. And it's the ability to apply first principles to your life. And so what he's saying is, what good is wisdom if you don't have understanding? What good is knowing about the love of Jesus if we don't know how to apply it? What good is under, learning about the gentleness of Jesus if we don't know how to be gentle to somebody else? He's going wisdom and understanding, those two things are linked together. And then, he, and then we continue on and it says, may you continue to be strengthened with all strength according to his glorious power 
so that you may possess all fortitude and patience with joy. And so he's looking at those two words again. Two more Greek words. Fortitude. It's my favorite Greek word that's out there. It's upomeno. Upomeno literally means hang in there. And so he's looking at life and he's saying, I want you to hang in there. But it's not just hang in there. It's hang in there giving all glory to God. Hang in there pointing it to Jesus. You guys, that's what Vic did. In the midst of ALS, what he did is he, it was upomeno, I am going to hang in there and give all glory to Jesus. And, and when, you, when you are in the midst of the things that we're talking about and, 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 for, and the word fortitude comes up and you're saying, man, how am I going to hang in there and give glory to God? That's what Paul is saying. That's his prayer for us is fortitude and then fortitude with patience. And you guys, we all know what patience means, but man, in Greek, that word patience in this situation, the word they used was macrothumia and it means patience with people because that's Paul's whole theme. Listen to, what, listen to this. It's the patience, is, the, macrothumia is the quality of mind and heart which enables a person so to bear with people that their unpleasantness and their maliciousness and cruelty will never drive one to bitterness. Come on. Will never drive one to bitterness? And their unteachableness will never drive one to despair. Talk to a parent about that. Their unteachableness will never drive you to despair with the patience that God can give us. That their folly will never drive one to irritation and that their unloveliness will never alter one's love. It's the spirit which never loses patience with, believes in, and hopes for people. Man, pray that prayer. Pray that prayer over a parent of a middle schooler. Pray that prayer over somebody that's going to work every single day and it's just can't stand their boss. Pray that prayer over somebody that their justice meter, and I, I always use the word justice meter because the mentor in my life, Jim Rabin, always used to say, Bill, your justice meter's going off again. Because anytime anything that, would, that I'd feel was, un, it was in, un, unjust, I would go nuts. And he's going, your justice meter's going off again. Let's figure out how to smooth that one out a little. You know, and, 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 but when your justice meter's going off, to still, to still have the patience. Because listen, this is what he's saying. So Paul is, this is the kind of, Paul is praying for upomeno, the fortitude which no situation can defeat, and macrothumia, the patience which no person can defeat. That's what Paul is praying for. To take this gospel and to live this out. Now, I want to bring this I want to bring this over to, to Saturday a couple of weeks ago. So, so we're in here and, and we're celebrating Vic's life. And we're talking about this stuff. Because what I'm, what I'm standing there with, I, what I said is, is when Vic got ALS and we began a journey of grief, Vic began a journey of hope. Because Vic turned that, his fortitude, Vic turned that through the Holy Spirit in his life. I have no doubt he turned that to the glory of God and he started seeing God clearer and clearer and clearer. 
as he, as he grew closer and closer to the front door of heaven. He just started seeing it clearer. And the things, the other things that were, that were once important started to fall away. Pride and, and, and the accounts that you hold over somebody. Their inability to forgive. Our struggles that we have. Those kinds of things fell, were falling and he was seeing Jesus clearer and clearer. Talked about how Jesus wasn't getting any closer to him because he's already as close as he can possibly be. He was just saying he could see it clearer. And I started thinking about that for all of us. Can you imagine that as we, as we live out the gospel and as we recognize those places, Jackie and I were just talking about it the other night, those people that Jackie and I still hold some sort of thing over, that we're frustrated at, the, 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 the love that we're not going to extend there. No, man, those guys hurt deeply wounded us. And we're just going, but what if we let those things fall or we prayed that those would fall to the feet of Jesus and that we see him clearer and that we start living that out? That's what Paul's writing about. In the midst of, 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 of that service, in the midst of my time with Vic, I read, I read the, the Eugene Peterson paraphrase of what we just read. Because the message, if you guys have heard of the message, the message is a paraphrase. It's not a translation. There's a, there's a difference there. A translation of the Bible is where they're looking at each word and they're trying to figure out what that Greek word meant. And, and then they're trying to translate it to as accurately as possible to this. Well, Eugene Peterson took that and said, I'm going to paraphrase what was written so that people can understand this as well as we possibly can, because it was meant for us to be able to read this and understand it. And so I, we, I love reading the message because it brings that stuff that sometimes is hard for us to get to life. Well, listen to this. And part of what I just read, the paraphrase of that says this, our prayer for you and are always spilling over into thanksgiving. We can't quit thinking, thanking God our Father and Jesus our Messiah for you. We keep getting reports on your steady faith in Christ, our Jesus, and the love you continuously extend to all Christians. And, he said, and then this is the, this is the line that, that, that I could not get past. The lines of purpose in your lives never grow slack. Tightly tied up as they are, to your future in heaven, kept taught by hope. I mean, the lines of purpose in your lives never grow slack. What Paul is saying is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is all that gives us purpose. And he's saying, don't let that grow slack. Don't neglect that. Don't neglect that in your life. Don't neglect that in somebody else's life. May that never grow slack. May that be your purpose. You guys, this is a time in this country, in this world, that people that understand the gospel and good news of Jesus need to live this out. We need to live this out. He's saying, do not let that line of purpose grow slack. It's too important in your life and in somebody else's life. It can change your life and it can change an entire community. It can influence your life and it can influence some, something hundreds of miles away. Don't let it grow slack. 
It's too important. And then it's, and then it's tied together in your future in heaven being taught, kept taught by hope. That Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He was the very beginning when he created all things. And he's there at the very end when we see him face to face. And because of that, we should have every bit of assurance and confidence of living within those two parameters. Jesus in the beginning, Jesus all the way to the end, and everything in between. How do I live my life? as a reflection of the unbelievable great news that Jesus has shared with me. That's, that is living that line with, with purpose, not, not letting it grow slack, being taught by the hope that we have in a beginning and an end that all is around Jesus. That's my hope for me, for me today. That's the inspiration that someone like Vic gives me. It's my hope for me today. It is my hope for our church. Man, it's not my hope for this country. It's my hope for this world. That's the way, it's, this, is what, this is what Jesus wants for us. And Paul's just reiterating it for us. It's up all about the gospel. It's Jesus. And as Vic used to say, and it matters. It matters. Father, I pray that, that today and in, in each one of our lives, when, when we are faced with the moments that we press away from your love and we press away from your grace and we say your forgiveness is not for me, it's for somebody else, Father, I pray that you would help us to, to see that, that that's pressing away great news. That's shoving away news that is for each one of us and that breathes life into each one of us. And so I pray, Lord, for the person right now today that is pushing it away, I pray that, you, that we would receive it because it's the gift that you've given us. And Lord, I pray that as we receive it, we keep that link together and that we love as you loved us. And we extend mercy where you've extended mercy with us and we, and we forgive forgive as you have forgiven us. Our, our decisions in our life, they didn't deserve that kind of love. We didn't deserve this kind of fate. We didn't deserve this kind of, 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 of hopefulness. But you've given it to us. And, and, and those around us, Lord, Sometimes we're the ones that are saying they don't deserve it. Our frustrated feelings and our anger and our, our sadness and the pain that they have caused, they don't deserve it. But neither, neither do we. So I pray, Lord, for me and for each one of us that we would embrace the gospel and they would share the gospel. It's in your name we pray. Amen.